Good morning. Uh, thank you for allowing the youths to take over the service, as they said, um, and to lead worship today. And it's because of the support of our church, the community, for all your prayers and patience that we have been tremendously blessed. This morning, I would like to focus on one verse of a larger passage that potentially requires a greater length and depth to properly unfold. Uh, So in our limited time today, we will focus on how the Lord's patience breathes life and brings salvation to us and the world. Um, I see a God who is amazing, a God who is patient, a picture of a father's unconditional love for his son when he makes poor choices and runs away. And even when we are down and out and crippled and injured, the father is heartbroken for the lost son, for all the suffering. And instead of giving up on us and the lost son, The father patiently waits and helps the son to get back up, to walk on our feet, and to reunite into his family. When you give someone love and they squander it, it's really tempting to let it go. But how much greater a joy it is to see a lost son return. So we praise the Lord We have a God who waits and waits patiently until a sinner will come home. He waits and he does not let us go prematurely. Let's look at the context surrounding the scripture for today. Throughout the epistle, the apostle Peter is concerned about how believers should live strong amidst an evil and corrupt world. He urges the church to make every effort. This Greek word of make every effort is one of Peter's favorite expressions, translated as make every effort or to be diligent. So in order to bring the lost to salvation, it requires our effort, our intentional participation and action. In chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, Uh, Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. In chapter 1 verse 10 it also says, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. And in this chapter, chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This is how to win over a sinful, evil world. Peter urges the believers to make every effort to be godly and to do good. God's way is not a one-up mentality, not to destroy an opponent by greater aggression, not to defeat a gun by our bigger gun. The Lord confronts a sinful world with patience and waits for them to turn around. Now consider Simon Peter, the fisherman. Upon discovering Jesus, he left his nets at once to follow. He confidently declared to Jesus, You are the Christ, 
the Son of God. And in the inner circle of three among the twelve, Peter was often the first to speak up. He was the most dominant um, natural leader, the strongest personality of the bunch. At the Last Supper, he firmly said to Jesus, I will never fall away. I will never disown you. But soon after, we see that Peter denied Jesus, not once, but three times, and each time vehemently. Then he wept bitterly at his failure. But something changed in Peter. After the resurrection, he changed. The Lord's patience changed him, and then he went on to change others. So in the book of Acts, we see story after story about how Peter became the fearless apostle. He built up the early church and defended the faith. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and preached boldly for Christ. You see, Peter kept his eye on, in verse 10 of chapter 3, he kept his eye on the day of the Lord. And in verse 7, it says, it refers to it as the day of judgment and destruction of godly men. This special day, in verse 13, that the day of God would also usher in the new heaven and new earth, the home of righteousness. So not only will we see God's judgment come, but this new heaven, this reconciliation, this new peace will come over and he will restore. He looked forward to the return of Jesus. There would be both justice and mercy for those who believed in him. In 3.3, he wrote, You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own desires. He described how these non-believers would mock God, mock his prophets and his word. They mocked the gospel, they ridiculed believers, they persecuted them, they distort the Bible, and they continue in their depravity. Today, we are also in the last days, all the days between the first and second coming of Jesus. We live in a generation where God is mocked where his name is more often used in profanity than in praise. Especially in this century, with evolution, they mock there is no creation. With atheism, they mock there is no God. With relativism, they mock there is no truth. With pluralism, they mock Jesus is not the only way. We live in a generation that depends on Google instead of God to explain life. We can ask anything on Google about how to make guacamole to what is the meaning of life. They ask Google, instead of God, questions about science, sexuality, lifestyle, and even questions about the Bible. You know, on Google, the answers might actually make sense, but they don't always contain truth and may result in greater confusion. We live in a generation where over 40% of babies are born out of wedlock and fewer are believing in marriage. It's a generation, it's a smartphone generation with a preoccupation of posting selfies to re-image 
our flaws. A generation with increased at-risk behaviors, a generation where youth worship teams are trained by guitar hero and rock band. Sadly, it's a generation where mass shooters are trained to kill by violent video games. No wonder some have labeled this generation, your generation, as the prodigal generation. We have a sense of entitlement, distrustful of other generations, and often feel judged. And this prodigal generation has lost, the, uh, has left the traditional church in droves, saying, you have lost me. Now, we as a church, if the church is patient, not wanting any to be lost, but all to find salvation, and we welcome in the prodigals, then possibly they may be found. Just like in the parable, when the lost son came back, he was broken, smelly, dirt poor, but the loving father, patient father, looked beneath his surface and welcomed him home with joyful celebration. But if we as a church will frown upon the lost, like the proud, self-assured older brother, the one who seems to have it all together, we will continue, they will continue to be lost. The older brother had no heart and no patience for redemption towards the prodigal. He only focused on how faithful and good he was. And he was cynical and, and critical of his miserable brother. He judged, you get what you justly deserve. Where is our hope and where is our grace? God is able to redeem anyone, even the most lost. In Isaiah 59, 1, it says, Surely the arm of God is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. The Lord is patient. We shall be as well. The church must be compassionate, patient, welcoming, and hopeful like the Father. Rebuking the scoffers in verse 5, who deliberately forget, but now exhorting the believers in verse 8, but you, dear friends, you beloved, you do not forget this. The world will purposely forget God's grace, but you, believers, do not forget. And in verse 8, Peter says here, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. What does that really mean? He's reflecting on something that came from Psalm 90, verse 4. It means this, that time on earth is brief, and time in heaven is very long. So let's be wise on how we live. With the Lord, in his time scale, our lives would merely last one and a half hours on the clock. We're in high school for five minutes. We're in college for another five minutes. You raise your children from crib to college in about 20 minutes. And our toil with our careers are over 45 to 50 minutes. Our lives on earth is brief. But eternity is very long. 
You see, we worry and worry about many things in our lives, and we rush from place to place to accomplish our goals. But we must not neglect the things of eternal value, the things that matter in eternity. Our passage today, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. You know, you would expect that this verse would say, he is patient with the unbelieving world. But instead, he says, he is patient with you. He says, God is not slow in keeping his promise of judgment. He is patient with you. God held back his judgment long, long enough to bring you to his kingdom. That's the love of Christ in you, in Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that God is so patient with me and you? If he has no patience, then it would be over and done in a flash. But since God is patient with you, and God is patient with others who are still lost, shouldn't we be patient with unbelieving family members and friends? And even patient with the most difficult and unpleasant co-workers that we have for the purpose of salvation? It takes more effort. In junior high, I knew I had messed up big time when I got my first C on a test. And I had to tell my dad when he came home from work. So I began to worry and cry. And I worried, would he be so angry with me that he would punish me severely? Would he send me in my room and lock me in there to make me study forever? Would he take away the things that I really liked, the things that I enjoyed, and not even let me go to youth group? So when he came home, I explained to him that I had gotten the C. And with no explanation, he said, get in the car. He drove without a word. Oh no, I'm in trouble. And so I did. And at the end of that ride, we stopped at my favorite childhood ice cream store named Carvel. And he said, we usually get simple cones, but today, let's have Sundays." Wow, I got a C, and he rewarded me with Sundays. A big Sunday. It was C for Carvel. <laughs> but I remember that as though it happened yesterday, like many memories I have of my dad being kind to me, and he said, nothing you do can ever make me love you less. I love you more than Agreed. I cannot stop loving you. See, patience breathes life and brings salvation. About a year later, when I was brought to salvation, God was already familiar. I had already tasted God's goodness and his patience and his love. I had already experienced such unconditional love and patience all my life. For my dad. 
Patience is a hard thing. It takes more time and energy than to punish swiftly. It takes more time to explain, to listen, and to love than to impatiently scold and spank. I know working with teens all these years, sometimes a harsh words that we, harsh memories that we remember uh, can be a roadblock to faith. And, you know, even when I talk about this story, some of you may remember pain. And we carry out ranting and harsh words to others, and it could be roadblocks to salvation. I'm sure the drill sergeant tiger mom method can succeed to motivate some people. But I believe that kindness and patience may prove to be the better motivator in building up a young person. Uh, I recently saw a movie, The Help, uh, that was nominated for some Academy Awards, where uh, white Southern affluent families would hire black uh, workers to be their housekeepers and childcare persons, cooks, anything they needed them to do. And this black maid, this Negro maid named Abilene Clark, often witnessed the white affluent mother scold and spank her child without mercy. And Abilene had a heart for this young girl, and she comforted this girl with these very empowering words. You is kind, you is smart, you is important. Can you imagine as a little girl hearing these words when her heart is already so broken, her body is in in pain, sore from a spanking? How restoring and refreshing it is for her self-perception, for her future, for her life. Patience breathes life into us, into people. In the second part of the verse today, instead of he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants no one to perish, but this does not mean that everyone will be saved. The Lord's heart is that he is merciful. He says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone in Ezekiel 18. I hope that we as Christians have the same heart as God does. That we as Christians would never wish for anyone to die and go to hell. Because they crossed us. I hope that we as Christians never hope for others who offend us, betray us, to receive the wrath of God. I hope that we are not more concerned about their repentance than our own repentance. We have a holy and righteous God who has promised judgment. And instead of executing swift justice upon every sin, he has waited and waited patiently so that through Jesus Christ, many will be saved.
in verse 15, it says, Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. So I hope today there will be a change in us. Let us change, be changed by God's patience with us, with the Apostle Peter. Let us make every effort, effort to win over a sinner by patience and kindness. If we tend to grow upset and impatient upon just the shortest of delays and inconvenience, if we become annoyed and critical to those who do not think like us or look like us, if we welcome home a prodigal more like an older brother than the loving father, if we tend to steal life from people instead of breathe life into them, May this day be a defining moment for us to repent and embrace salvation. The Lord is patient, and he has been waiting for you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your tremendous patience upon our sinful selves. We thank you, Lord, that you have waited patiently even as some of us, all of us, wrestle with our daily sins, Lord, you are still patient with us. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for the harsh, condemning words, our attitudes of being rushed, of seeing others' sins above our own. Father, I pray that you would give us a vision and a hope that we can see the lost world as you do, that we would be patient because you are. Father, I pray that you would burn a desire in us to express godliness and goodness Father, as we look at this prodigal generation, we thank you, Lord, that you are a father who welcomes home the lost. Father, I pray for our church. I pray for our, our future church. I pray, Lord, that we would be different and that we would receive in those who are very different from us. Father, for the parents amongst us who struggle to raise their children with wisdom. Father, the days are short while they are in our homes. Father, let's help us to bless them, Lord. Bless our children that they will think of you fondly because we have treated them well. Yes, Lord, we need discipline but we need your kindness and patience. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Andy. Please rise as... uh...